Okay, here it is. If you want to be successful in love, happiness, career, and health, then you must simply do the right thing. average CEO reads 60 books per year, and many attribute their success to this habit of constant learning. This is the difference between those who actualize and those who fail. This automization of their learning, this 1% better every day. On the MentorBox podcast, we're making it easy for you to build and maintain that same habit, the same type of constant lifelong learning as those CEOs, simply by listening to this podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen and tune in for new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and every Friday. And if you want to dig deeper into what our incredible guests teach, make sure to go to mentorbox.com and become a member today. Hello and welcome to this edition of MentorBox. I am your host, Jonathan Kendall, and today we'll be taking a deep, hard look into the highest, high-definition mirror we can possibly imagine, and then using that image to self-reflect to a level that will most likely make you feel pretty bad about yourself. We're going to uncover and unearth skeletons which are hanging onto your unthinking habits so strongly with such a suction cup ferocity and have been doing so for so long that you, I can guarantee, will not like what you see. The real you who, which stares back at you. Though, just like any muscle, The psychological reaction to such an emotional wounding will ultimately conspire to make you stronger, will pull you out from the ashes, thus you then after and now a phoenix reborn and recreated and rebirthed into a newer, better, dare I say, even ideal version of yourself. This, the meta trick which underlies every other meta framing that could possibly exist or has ever existed, one which completely revolutionized my life after I figured it out. My favorite writer, Jack Kerouac, once said, for example, one day I will find the right words and they will be simple. And so what I'm about to share with you may on the surface seem like an oversimplification of some self-development or success theory, a too easy mantra, which therefore cannot be worth its salt. It can't be valuable, you might say. Too vague, too simple. Though, aha, my friends, all great tools are in fact simple. And so here it is, my meta mantra, which acts as both a mirror and as a guide, my number one tool and advice for success. You ready? Okay, here it is. If you want to be successful in love, happiness, career, and health, then you must simply do the right thing. (laughs) I told you it was simple. Four little words. Do the right thing. (laughs) Simple. Though, as you probably can already assume and have already experienced in your life, not easy. Because if you had already always done the right thing, you probably already would have achieved everything you could ever dream. Am I right? 
And what's keeping you from success in the future? Well, fundamentally, are you going to make the right decision and then act rightly every single time? Will you always do the right thing or not? This again, deep down the rabbit hole, it's really all there is. This is the only metric that matters. My boss, Alex Mayer, always jokes that at any moment, any individual is only ever about six months from being a billionaire. There is something, a series of decisions that if we made those decisions in the right order right now would compound and therefore eventually result in us being billionaires. This year, he says, emphasis on this year. And I agree with him. There is always a way. The trick then is, what is that way? Well, without a time machine, there's really no way of ever knowing. Am I right? The only way is to do our best, to make the right bet, as Annie Duke explains in her book, Thinking in Bets, where she argues that all decisions are just probability calculations, whereby you or we are constantly making small or large bets on our future, and in aggregate, those decisions and their results conspire to manifest our reality. Simple enough. Definitely use this framing as often as possible because that's a good framing. For more details, watch Annie's MentorBox lesson on decision theory, though sometimes it's difficult or even requires too much brain damage to do such a calculation. Is it not? Even if we're generalizing. And more specifically, do we really need to do a probability calculation to decide whether or not we should go to the gym today or whether we should forgive our spouse instead of holding that grudge or whether we should confront our boss or let this one slide, whether we should be kind and generous, whether we should work hard or read every day? Do we really need a probability calculator to make these small wins, sometimes even personality decisions? No. And Annie agrees that we don't, by the way. Her framing is more for large-scale decisions like, should I marry this person? Or company-wide decisions like, should we move into the Latin American market? But what about these day-to-day decisions? When to wake up? How to greet our family? Who to spend time with? How to treat our bodies? How to treat those whom we work with? How to deal with traffic? How to basically, you know, be a good person? (laughs) How do we always do the right thing, knowing that if we do, we'll be healthier, have better, more loving, fulfilling relationships, we'll have more money, and we'll be happier? If that's the case, how do we choose day in and day out always the right action? Well, here's how I do it, or at least how I try to do it. Firstly, I remind myself of the mantra. In fact, if you were to tour my house, you would see my 10 rules for life written from floor to ceiling. It's a Robert Cialdini way of influencing or brainwashing, I like to say, myself. Or maybe you'd put it this way. It's a way of reminding myself of what matters. My Ten Commandments, if you will. The rules that I live by. My mantras. My prayers. And the very first one, rule number one, literally, again, literally written on my wall is this. Rule number one. Always do the right thing. And because it is my number one mantra, because I brainwashed myself to remind myself of that mantra, that rule, as often as possible, and especially when my instincts are heightened, the gravity of my amygdala pushing me into the direction of fight or flight or revenge or anger or anxiety or brashness or selfishness, whenever I feel that tinge of heightened evolutionary hormonal non-thinking behavior, whenever I feel myself becoming emotional or intense, I literally close my eyes. I take a deep breath 
and remind myself out loud even sometimes, always do the right thing. And then hopefully, the theory is at least, that I will then at least see the choice. Because here's the thing, guys, your emotional reactions are so far down the brainstem, your lizard brain, which serves to protect you at all costs. It's so ancient that usually it wins. And it will especially guaranteed 100% win if your higher brain, your newer brain, your prefrontal cortex is not even in the fight. And therefore, you must first, if you are to choose correctly, give yourself a choice in the first place. I am angry. I am about to write a really intense email. I am stressed out because my boss yelled at me. I lost my job. I want to yell at my child. There are examples, of course, into infinity. Though either way, in all these types of situations, if you can't compare your natural instinctual reaction to a potential other choice, if you can't put them both in front of you and then make a conscious decision between your instincts and an alternative hopefully and theoretically better action, then you're going to necessarily spiral yourself down into oblivion, guaranteed. And so now to the action plan. How do we compare? How do we choose, especially when we're riled up in the moment? How do we see the choice? Well, it starts with reminding ourselves, do the right thing, sure. But even more powerfully, this is what I do. Whenever I feel, uh, let's call it negative emotion, vices, if you will, emotions like anger, pessimism, fear, sloth, victimhood, jealousy, revenge, laziness, selfishness, etc. Whenever I feel these emotions, I notice what is happening. And then before acting, I imagine an ideal version of myself sitting on my shoulder. And I know this is going to make me sound schizophrenic, but... This is what I do nonetheless. <laughs> I imagine the ideal version of myself. What if I was a Buddha? What if I was Jesus? What if I was Gandhi? What if I was Steve Jobs? What if I was a godly, perfectly benevolent and simultaneously productive and intelligent version of myself? What would that person do? What would the best version of me do? And the answer hilariously, becomes so obvious it makes you wonder why you have so much trouble in life to begin with. Because the truth is that even if you were to give advice to yourself or how to better your life, if you were to compare yourself to an ideal, most of your problems are so comically easy to solve, you'll end up embarrassing yourself. Hence, that mirror we spoke of earlier. You're not going to want to look at it. You're not going to want to always ask your higher self to analyze your lower self's instincts because you're not going to like what you see. Because you'll see someone who is often quick to anger, slow to forgive, does not take care of their body, does not eat well, watches too much empty entertainment, is too selfish, does not help their community, is not kind enough to their family, is not working very hard or efficiently, 
is too worried about their physical appearance, is too jealous, is ego-driven, is insecure, is not creative enough, doesn't learn enough, doesn't try to help enough people, spends too much money on shit that does not matter, and then is upset why they aren't wildly successful like whoever they admire, all without having the philosophical and psychological nuanced understanding of that hero to realize that their ideal is but a fantasy which ends up hurting their ego all along. Not fun. Such a mirror is not fun. Which is why I think we don't use this method we don't use this method because we're afraid of comparing our ideal selves to how we act day in and day out. And therefore it hurts. It's too high definition. It's self-effacing. Though if you use this method correctly, which really just means don't feel bad about yourself for how you used to act, instead obsessing over how powerful this tool will be in helping you to manifest a better future if you use this correctly, you will change your life. Because right and wrong, outside of an ethical philosophy thought experiment, day in and day out, it's actually not that hard. The theoretical answer to what should I do next is usually not that difficult. The hard part then is actually doing what you need to do, what you should do, and efficiently. Time after time, reminding yourself of what that right choice actually is, rather than just riding the wave of your emotions into a ditch. And so here's what I want you to do. In order to always do the right thing, imagine a version of yourself that quote unquote always does the right thing. And then in every situation, whenever you're feeling anger, pessimism, fear, sloth, victimhood, jealousy, revenge, laziness, selfishness, etc. Ask yourself, what would the best version of myself do? How would that person react? How would they deal with this situation? How hard would they work? How much would they love? How grateful would they be? How kind, how creative, how healthy, how active? And then in every and all situations, do that. In a phrase, do the right thing. I hope that helped. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to the MentorBox podcast. If you want to learn more about what our authors, as well as all of our authors teach, make sure to sign up at MentorBox.com. And if you like the MentorBox podcast, please leave us a positive rating and review in Apple Podcasts, as that helps us get discovered by more people who will enjoy and be helped by what we do over here at MentorBox. Also, if you think of anyone who would enjoy or be helped by what we do here at MentorBox, be sure to let them know. We do what we do at MentorBox to try to make the world a better place through the incredible education our authors bring. And we can only do that through your help. So please... Help us spread the word. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next MentorBox podcast.